Hello, and welcome to the Keep It Local Maine podcast, where we tell the stories of local business owners, artists, and entrepreneurs, and learn more about what they do, who and what inspires them, their challenges, successes, and more. My name is Todd Regalinski. And I am Kimberly Regalinski. And we are the publishers of Keep It Local Maine, a magazine that helps to showcase local businesses to the people in and around their communities. Thank you for tuning in to our weekly podcast that you can subscribe to on most streaming services such as Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Google Podcasts, and others. You can learn more about us at Keep at localmain.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube through the links in the show notes. In this episode, we'll be talking with travel writer Jennifer Hazard. Jennifer is the author of The Main Playbook, a four-season guide to family fun and adventure. She's written about food, travel, and family for Food Network Magazine, Maine Magazine, and Down East Magazine, and created content for Martha Stewart Living and L.L. Bean. Jennifer lives in Maine with her husband and two children. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Weather is getting warmer and it's project planning season, which means you should call Maine Commercial Contracting, your locally owned choice for residential and commercial services in southern Maine. They'll be there for that new driveway, walkway, or excavation for your home and for your business with parking lot paving, road milling, heavy hauling, and competitive commercial pricing. So when you need your project done right and on your timeline, get a hold of the company with the appetite for excellence and the skills to see it through. Call Maine Commercial Contracting at 207-391-0540 for a free estimate or find them online at maincommercialcontracting.com. Welcome to the show, Jen. We are so glad to have you here today. Thanks so much for having me. So you just released uh, the second edition of your book in 2021. Can you tell us about it and where you got the inspiration, where the inspiration came from to write it? Sure. So the first edition actually came out in 2018. And it moved backwards a little bit from there. I had um, written a blog for over a decade that was called Cute Potato, Your Guide to Kid-Friendly Maine. And that inspiration came from my two children who are just 15 months apart. And really, we were just, as parents, trying to figure out the things that we loved that the kids would equally enjoy. And we started setting out on road trips for short ones and then longer ones with the kids all throughout the state of Maine. And I wrote about them very faithfully for over a decade and all of those adventures. And so I have a really lovely group of friends who are writers and we kick around ideas all the time. And they suggested, they're like, you know, Jen, you should really think about making that blog into a book. And I actually hadn't even thought about mm-hmm. <laughs> make, doing that, but they, they really kind of like kicked the idea into action. And mm-hmm. um, so that's where it started and took off from there. Wow. It's just great. The main playbook, a four season guide to family fun and, and adventure. And uh, it's just, it's done so well, just the photos, all of it. And we definitely will be using it this summer for sure. Uh, it's so good. That's so good to hear. Uh, I really wrote it for families who live here in Maine and for families who are traveling here in Maine. So mm-hmm. when a local family says they're going to use it, just, it does my heart good. Glad to hear it. Yeah. I wish I could remember off the top of my head, I should have researched this before, but I did not. So whoever uh, said this originally, um, I apologize, but they had recommended taking a week or two out of every year and playing tourist mm. in the area that you live and and to approach it like be, like if you were just coming to visit and, and doing all the touristy things to kind of get to know 
the area that you're in and, and to take advantage of those things. And this is such a cool thing because you can do this throughout the entire state. Yeah, someone recently um, wrote a really lovely review. And what I loved about the review is that they said they made a family bucket list from the book of all the places in a season that they wanted to travel to. And that was really something that you know, how we started as well before this even was a book, we would sort of make a bucket list of all of these places and things that we wanted to check out, whether it was like a fun ice cream place or a trail or a farm or an event. Uh, and, you know, during the summer, those were the things that we had sort of listed out and then just went for it. And it was such a great way to get to know our state. Yeah, and it is it is so convenient to to have that break to kind of break it up by region too because there are there are definitely we've already talked with our family about oh well we'd love to go up to you know Bar Harbor or we would like to go to this area that area and so being able to now be like oh hey we can actually look that up and and have a lot of cool stuff right there in front of us is is super helpful super yeah um, because, because I, I I know I don't speak for just us but you know folks are busy and and trying to research what's going on can sometimes get left, you know, can fall through the cracks. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's true. Just life gets in the way. And sometimes I know even sometimes when we travel and I'm a, I'm a big researcher, I love that part of it, but there have definitely been times, you know, when family life gets busy and you just can't spend the time that you'd like to kind of mapping out your trip. Uh, it's one of the reasons that the back of the book, it was something that my editor suggested and it was such a good suggestion was to, have road trips all mm. mapped out in the back of the book. So if you really want to do like a quick glance, if you're like you say, your family's thinking about going to Bar Harbor, you can go to the back of the book, look at the season that you're traveling. And then it's all sort of like all those highlights are sort of mapped out for you where to go and what to do. So you can have sort of a full family day. Yeah, that's great too, because especially if you found yourself with something gets canceled or you mm -hmm. kind of realize, oh, there's there's time in the schedule, which is rare enough in the summer anyways, but oh, wait, we got a day or a day and a half that nothing's going on and it's going to be gorgeous out. Mm. We need something quick. Yeah, <laughs> That's yep. kind of a great way to, to just grab something. For sure. Yeah, that's a great point. That's really true. Kind of those on the fly adventures. I love that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, for sure. So you have written extensively for a couple different magazines here. How did you get interested in writing about food and travel? So I had just come out of a graduate program in creative writing, and I really wanted to get into some food and travel writing and for magazines specifically. And I had graduated from a program in New Jersey and was living there at the time. And my husband and I would regularly take trips to Southern Vermont. We had a family home there and I just fell in love with being there, especially in the summertime and going to the farmer's market and meeting with people. And I came across a regional magazine called Stratton and had some ideas and started pitching the editor just based on these like little travels that we did every time we went there. And, you know, I was persistent for sure. <laughs> I think, you know, at first she's like, who is this woman and why <laughs> and from, from New Jersey and why is she, you know, why is she coming at me? But then I think she really realized you know, that I had a real passion and love 
for the area and she gave me my first assignment, which I'll never forget, was on a Christmas tree farm in Vermont along the Connecticut River. And um, that's kind of where it all started. And from that point on, I got like dream assignments from them, you know, talking to chocolatiers and visiting other farms and talking with people who made snow, who invented snowmaking machines and did it for films. And so it was just a great springboard for me. And that kind of just, it just went from there. That's great. That is so cool. And now, now I want to know about who makes the snow machines <laughs> for movies. That's another episode, Todd. And are they and are they different than the ones they use in the ski slopes? Uh, so very similar, very similar. But that was another fun sort of adventure where I went to this man's house, and it he he reminded me of like the professor from Back to the Future. <laughs> That's awesome. There were like warnings coming in the driveway. I really didn't know what I was getting into, but it turned out to be um, super interesting to hear and just, you know, how families um, would have parties in Florida and rent out these snowmaking machines so they could have snow in their yards. And it's just such a foreign idea to, Mm -hmm. you know, someone who lives in New England. But yeah, 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 super fun. Yeah. Other places are trying to get snow and, and here in Maine, we're like, here, take it. Take, exactly. go ahead. Exactly. We'll it's almost it May. You can have it. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. So what was the writing process like for your book? And, you know, how I, my, I'm curious. It's like you look at it and there's so much information in there and it's great. It's how long did it take for you to, for all of that research that was involved? I was fortunate because I, I did have the blog. So the first mm-hmm. thing I did was sort of map out what I had there and mm-hmm. organize it by season. Mm-hmm. And once that was in place and I had sort of this mapped out idea of where things were, um, I really looked at like, where are the holes? Because it was so important to me. I think very often, I believe it's getting better now, but I think at the time when I started this, very often people would always sort of concentrate on this southern part of the state mm-hmm. um, and the coastal towns. And I really wanted to make sure that I had coverage inland, that I went up north, and everyone was represented in the book, So, Mm -hmm. and every region was represented. So at that point, once I had everything mapped out, then it was like, okay, I actually have to do a little bit more traveling and really get to know, especially northern Maine. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, my family took, uh, we we went and stayed in Presque Isle area and went to a rustic state park and visited farms in that area. You know, we spent some more time in Baxter and exploring ice caves that are part of a nature conservancy property, spent more time in Bangor, things of that nature. So mm-hmm. and that part was fun. Again, I, I love research. I love to travel around. Um, and then, so once everything was filled in, I would say probably more than even writing it is really the fact checking part is reaching Mm -hmm. out and speaking with people and making sure everything's accurate. That was probably, that probably took the longest amount of times as you can Mm -hmm. imagine. And I'm sure you both know when you reach out to people, sometimes, you know, people are busy, they can't get back to you right away. So really keeping track of all of that. And I got better with the second edition of that too. I started 
I'm not a spreadsheet person, but I had this like <laughs> wonderful spreadsheet where I could kind of keep track of who I spoke to and um, anything that was updated or changed. And mm-hmm. um, so that was a long process. And then the last part I would say is for the book, I had I had started taking a lot of photos for the blog and became better at it as time went on. And so I would say 80% of the book are my own photos. So then it was gathering and collecting those photos. And that part was a little unwieldy because, I, again, I, I didn't have that like in a super organized uh, mm-hmm. way on my computer. It was kind of just like going back and diving in and finding those photos and then working alongside the um, woman who designed the book to get everything right. So that took some time too. All told, I think at least two years, I want to say, before Mm -hmm. it first came out in 2018, of all of those things collectively together. And then, of course, working with the editor on how the book would be organized and any suggestions like those road trips in the back where there's also a calendar of all the events that run throughout Maine throughout the year, sort of an added glance. She made all those really good suggestions. And so I added those things in as well. That's so great. It really is super, super helpful just to have that calendar of events. I'm already looking at this now and I'm thinking, okay, we need to do this. We need to do that. We need to go here. (laughs) Okay, Kim, we're, 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 you do realize we're doing a podcast right now. Like this (laughs) isn't, and I, I totally get what you're saying about the, about I'm, I'm a spreadsheet person by necessity Mm -hmm. and the, the people who truly love spreadsheets almost like sh- want to show them to you like their pictures of their children like oh check out this spreadsheet I made yes them. yes my husband is that person he's a wonderful spreadsheet person admirable and he's just is exactly right showing showing those spreadsheets like they're photos of your family yeah <laughs> so yeah I have a oh, lot to learn goodness. still for sure one kind of follow-up question I would like to ask is how do you when you're traveling and you're you're doing like uh, you were, like you're traveling to a specific area because, okay, I need to find some stuff for this area because I want to, again, represent all of Maine. Mm. When you're doing that, how do you kind of divide the work part with kind of the fun part? Because I would imagine you still have to have some degree of fun in order to to truly experience it so that you are able to do the work, but you also, I imagine, have to have part of your brain working that labor you know, organizational, all of that at the same time, or, or are you able to kind of like experience it and then go back later and write? That's such a great question. And it is, it's a really tough balance, um, especially when you're trying to cover a lot of ground. And it even comes up doing articles on travel for magazines. You know, you want to put yourself in the space of the traveler and the family traveling, but there's sometimes there's just so much ground to cover. Um, And for example, I can remember doing a 48 hours piece and, um, you know, trying to hit all these food places. And I remember looking at my husband and being like, I am so full right now. I can't, (laughs) I cannot possibly eat anything more, you know, which, which seems like a dream to be able to, you know, go places and try these things. And, but so, yeah, that is really a challenge. I would say on my my family for the book traveled with me everywhere 
And so they were the best sports because I would be like, okay, guys, today we have to visit this corn maze and this orchard and go on this hike, you know, and um, they were happy to be all in. And then, of course, everyone was happy to take along a break afterwards. But we really, I mean, once you're once you're really deep into something, it can be so much fun. Like I, I brought up like those ice caves in and around Baxter State Park. And when we went on that hiking excursion, I mean, it was just, it's easy to lose yourself and then really immerse yourself in the moment. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, again, it's, it's really rare that you're in a place and you're on a trail. And in this case, there were two caves and there were bars that went down and the temperature drops and you feel like you've just entered this natural wine cellar and you can see the ice on the walls of the cave and it's just kind of magic. I mean, you know, there were those moments where you find especially things that you don't expect to see here in Maine. Um, That was one of them is uh, you lose yourself in it. So it's kind of making that balance. And then, you know, very often I would try to just experience the trip, you know, definitely hit the places that I wanted to hit and then go home and kind of do like a brain dump of everything that I had just experienced and write about it. And also really important, and I think what makes the guidebook a little different than a lot of guidebooks is it really is from my personal perspective. Um, Mm. So I know that goes a little bit beyond your question, but that's Mm -hmm. how I tried to balance it out. Uh, so we don't want you to uh, to kind of give away the store or anything. Uh, we're not trying to get any, uh, you know, people. We definitely want people to buy the book because it is great. However, I'm just kind of curious. What are a couple of your go-to summer spots in Maine? Yeah, well, I think very recently. Actually, this was one of the places that I hadn't been to before and then went to do some more research for the book. But the Deer Isle. Blue Hill, Stonington area. I just totally, I don't know. I feel like that might be my soul home or something. I just Mm. really fell in love with it when we went. Mm. We explored a lot of the nature preserves and they're just so lush and beautiful and look like they could be in a Wes Anderson film. All these beautiful private coves and just stunning natural beauty. And also, you know, coupled with that, there were some really fun um, food places that we checked out in that area. There's a restaurant called LL Frijoles off of LL Bean. <laughs> and uh, and they, for families, they've got this beautiful outdoor seating, really great Southwestern inspired food. And again, just like that, just really gorgeous, unique setting. Um, that we really enjoyed. And then there's a bake, another bakery up that way that's really, I think, has become more popular all the time called Tinder Hearth Bakery. And you can order croissants and pastries from them, which are incredible, but they also do wood-fired pizzas. And so we ordered our pizza and then took it to a state park and uh, just hung out at picnic tables and again, just like took in everything and mm. enjoy this fabulous meal. So Deer Isle certainly uh, is a favorite of mine these days. And then I would say the other really special place is um, in Baxter State Park. 
you know, so many people set their sights on Katahdin and, and camping in and around Katahdin, but we actually went to the South Branch Pond campground, which I would say is a quieter end of the park. And my son was so, he, he wanted to go swimming and this uh, park ranger said, oh, you have to stay, you know, you have to stay if you can get in at this campground. They have lean-tos there right up on the water and it was free to take out kayaks and canoes. And so that was, we hadn't necessarily planned to spend the night there. We were staying somewhere nearby and then we were all in. We're like, we just dropped everything. We got the lean-to site. Uh, my son went out and, and paddled and, you know, but was also in viewing distance from the shore. There's these traveler mountain range, like right in that area. It's just, it's one of those places where you pinch yourself and you're like, I cannot believe that I'm here. And, uh, and I have all of this natural beauty around me. Mm. Um, so that's another favorite of mine. That's great. How, how has Wes Anderson not made a movie set in Maine with between the, <laughs> between the scenery and, and just the characters that inhabit Maine and the, and the possibility of utilizing the down East accent? How has that not happened yet? Well, hopefully he's listening to your podcast, right? <laughs> And yes, I if feel you're out like, there. Yeah, Come I feel on. like there's definitely films that he's made that feel like so much like Maine, you know? Mm. Um, so maybe the inspiration is there. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe it's like a couple projects down the line. Maybe it's it's you know, it's on his list of things to do, yeah. which I imagine is probably, you know, he writes out we'll with like a, a quill out. pen or something. Right. <laughs> so oh, beautiful sets. <laughs> What, I, I'm I'm curious to ask. So, what would you say w- are, is your biggest travel tip, or three? Your top three travel tips. The, if you could give us three tips. Yeah. So, typically, when I'm researching a place, um, it's not rocket science. But what some of the things that I look for is one, where are the land trusts and nature preserves in the area. I think that I've found like these off the beaten path spots by researching that. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's one. You can really get mm-hmm. to know a place and like the nooks and crannies of a place by looking up the local land trust, nature preserves. Um, and then usually on those sites, they'll list a bunch of trails. And so you can kind of gauge where you or your family is at. It doesn't have to be strenuous. You know, it can just be like half mile out and back, but you're mm-hmm. seeing, you know, your on the coast and you get to like walk over rocks and check out the ocean and all of those Mm -hmm. things. So that's one thing that I always do. Another in the, if the weather's right in the warmer months, I always look up farmer's markets because I feel Mm -hmm. like that's another way to get to know, Mm -hmm. um, not just like the local farmers and food purveyors, but very often there's also local artists and craftsmen there as well, Mm -hmm. uh, craftspeople and, um, and what a fun way to, you know, stop at those booths and be able to talk with people. And then y- mm-hmm. you never know what, if you say like, I'm visiting this town for the first time and mm-hmm. get such great tips coming and going just by being at a farmer's market, I would say that's another really great resource for sure. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, I would say that, you know, I always kind of look for either 
like local food spots that have been recommended that would, when my kids were small, it was often more looking for, okay, where's a place that we can go, but the kids can kind of run around and enjoy Mm -hmm. themselves too. So when I brought up LL Frijoles before, I mean, that was perfect because we were outside, they had a sandbox, they had swings, like the kids didn't have to just like sit patiently at the table and wait for the food to come. They could, Mm -hmm. they could do their thing. So when they were young, those were certainly those spots that I looked for too. That's great. You can't imagine a a child not waiting patiently at the table (laughs) for the food to come. It's such an anomaly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now that we've gotten some, uh, some travel advice, what advice would you give to to a person who wants to write about travel or who who might be thinking of pursuing that as a as a career? Yeah, so I would say that I was really fortunate, you know, when I talked about that first magazine, it was a regional magazine and the editor gave me so many opportunities to kind of grow as a writer and you know, my assignments would start out smaller and then they would grow over time. And then so once I think you start with a regional newspaper or magazine and pitching them an idea, they get to know you and you develop a relationship and then that just grows. And it's just amazing how, you know, things can just start to grow from there. You start to develop a small portfolio of of writing that you did. And then, then you can take that to the next magazine that you're interested in writing for, the next newspaper, website, and, um, you know, your experience just builds and grows from there. So I would say, you know, start small and mm-hmm. or even now, too. The gift of social media, the gift of being able to have a podcast like yours or an Instagram site or even even blogging seems like it's it's a thing of the past now, but I think a lot of people have newsletters is 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 starting starting those things, you know, creating your own content and developing your own voice. And that's another great way to springboard mm. into writing about travel and food. It's great. Mm. So one question that we always like to ask, because there's so many different answers and it's so intriguing just to hear, you know, the the different responses is, how would you say you define success? That's a great question. I think for me personally, it's knowing that I really have a love for what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I have loved traveling the state of Maine and getting to know all parts of it. And I feel like it's been a real privilege to be able to do that and continue to do that. I think the amazing part of living here, and you know, I'm sure if you're, you know, no matter where you're from, if you get to explore your state and get to know it, it's just that you just keep uncovering these layers each time and, and finding mm. things that you never thought were possible. And I think that's, that is, is really what sings in my heart when I travel these places. So um, I would say success for me personally is, is, is being able to do the thing I love in the state that I love. Mm. Um, It's pretty special. Another question that we like to ask because we are uh, self-diagnosed and admitted uh, inspiration junkies (laughs) is that, uh, who or what inspires you, either personally, professionally, or both? Yeah, again, I would think 
going back to these road trips, they are so inspiring. The things that I come across, um, we took a road trip a year or two ago to Peaks Kenny State Park in Dover Foxcroft. And on the way there, we just happened to pass this lavender farm. I mean, it looked like something that you would imagine would be like in the south of France. Mm. I mean, just stunning. And then we mm. learned that they often have a food truck there. They they let families picnic and have parties there. They had this beautiful like cottage, again, like straight out of a movie um, filled with all different kinds of things for gifts. So that it's that that just, you know, when we're going to one place and then all of a sudden something else presents itself. It's so exciting and inspiring mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then that always just sets me down a road of, again, like, how can I tell this story or who can I mm -hmm. share this with? And then finding out that people actually grab that idea and go visit themselves. It's like the icing on the cake, for sure. Yeah. That's great. Well, Jen, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and, and sharing with us and our listeners about your, your travels and about your book. Uh, I, I will have a link to your website, jenhazard.com, and uh, we encourage folks to get the main playbook, A Four-Season Guide to Family Fun and Adventure. Uh, there's a link right off the website. You can find it on Amazon or off of islandportpress.com as well. And um, be sure to follow her on social media and all of that stuff. Once again, thank you so much, yes, for, thank you so much Jen. Uh, for talking with us and also for writing this book because we are totally going to be using oh, a yeah. bunch of this stuff and it's oh, going to yeah. help our yeah. summer. Uh, and well, it's going to help us all year round. I can't wait to go to the, the ice caves. Yeah. Oh, right. I'm so glad. Good. I can't wait to hear all about it. It was, it was so nice to, to chat and get to know you both too. And Kim, great job being able to to plan our vacations for all four seasons while you're doing the interview. You truly are a master of multitasking. Yes. So impressive. Amazing. So we wish you great success yes. with, your, with your book and, and all of your travels coming up. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great summer. Once again, we'd like to thank our sponsor and encourage you to check them out through the link in the show notes. And thank you again for listening. <laughs>